beat. I feel elevated. Call the homies, it's a celebration. I need more space, I need meditation. Got a little time and a little patience. Goddamn. Welcome back to another installment of the Rufus Rundown. I welcome back Andrew DeMello. Andrew has featured on a couple of shows in the past. We welcome him back. Andrew, what's going on? Not much, man. How about you? We're chilling, dude. We're chilling. Just you know, pumping out content and just getting through it right now. Just trying to hope we can break through with all these vaccines and all this stuff and get back to some normalcy. But, you know, while all that's going on, we got we got some NBA basketball to talk about, some Celtics struggles to talk about, who are now 500 on the season and looking like they're about to fall apart at the seams. Where would you, now? I I I know prior with the discussion. Where would you like to put? The most blame people. Danny Ainge is on a hot seat right now. I think Brad Stevens is on a hot seat right now. I think I think a very hot seat for Brad Stevens. And there's obviously some some sometimes some of the players have to come into the conversation as well too. Kemba's knees not exactly holding up well. I don't think Tatum has been the same player since he got COVID. Where would you like to place most of this blame on the Celtics right now? For this season, I I personally gotta blame Danny. I mean. You know, you had an opportunity, you know, think about all the people let, let go in the past for no money. We let Al Horford go for – we got nothing back. was probably one of his biggest signings at the time when we signed Al Horford. We let him go to a rival for – got nothing in return. Then we let Hayward go for nothing in return. Yeah, we got this trade exception, but who are we going to use that for? Is it going to be Drummond? I mean, I would love to see Drummond come because we need a big man. I think that's I mean, dominant and rebounding and that can play defense. But also, I mean, you, you have the opportunity to trade Hayward to get Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott's a guy who can come off the bench, shoot the three ball, and you got Miles Turner, who's a great defensive presence down low, can score. He's a lot better than Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice. So I, don't, I just don't understand why Danny didn't take that deal. And then, you know, going with the draft this year, last two years, you know, Langford, no. Waters, no. Naismith, no. Grant Williams, okay. Um, you know, our bench, and I was telling this, that was a problem last year, our bench is just – bad our bench is really bad and that, i think that's the issue we're putting we're putting so much pressure on the starting five to kind of create and you know our bench has nothing to do for it and like you said Kemba's injury he's been playing fucking horrible so yeah that's kind of just been a mess right now but i blame it on danny to be honest danny's I, on the hot seat for me right now i i i my thing before the season was and i'm very critical of the celtics and people just find it like i just want to make noise for absolutely no reason you know, like I like like I actually don't put thought into any of this, and I just want to be out there like Max Kellerman spitting out hot takes. I mean, I genuinely look at the Celtics as you can only keep. I mean, this is a very young core, so you can only keep a core like that together for so long without making some culture shocks. I mean, you went to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. You know, congratulations. We we live in Boston. Championships are what are are, are what we're after here. Now, given. Championship expectations weren't there, but last year and this year, where you really should make the leap. I don't think you should lose to that Heat team, and I said it before that series. I, I said I, I had I had the Heat in six because I didn't expect the Celtics to outperform them. But at the same time, when you broke it down, like if you had a scorecard and you were going, if you were ticking the boxes left or right, you, the Celtics had a lot more of those green check marks than the Heat did. That's a series I think you should win, yeah. and I think there's some moves you definitely miss on. I think. And I think what comes back, I was a fan of the Kemba Walker signing back then because I was so sick and tired of Kyrie. And oh, of course. Um, I, I look back yeah. at the Kyrie thing, and I still put some blame on management in terms of Danny and in terms of Brad. Listen, the guy's crazy. A lot mm -hmm. more of the blame is going to fall on Kyrie in that sense. But 
within the recent happenings in the locker room, Marcus Smart having outbursts and certain players like Gordon Hayward and J like Jalen Brown's growth being stunted because of the amount of prime minutes that Gordon Hayward was getting, even after the injury from Brad, it, it, it almost looks to me from the outside looking in, again, I don't have any sources or anything on this, but I don't know, his, his locker room control has been a worry for me. It's one thing when you're working with players that are underdogs and are looking to achieve more and want to buy into a system, yes, but when it comes down to letting, you know, taking a, a very good player in a team, a very good player in a Brown, and, and letting them be the alpha dog, letting them be the alpha male, which is what Kyrie wanted to be and never really was healthy enough to do so, you know, he's never been able to, he's not been able to transform good players into great players, but he's been able to trade, you know, change below average players into good players, I, I, I which shouldn't really be a knock, makes him a great college coach, probably an outstanding analyst, but right now as a head coach of a team that's going to be that should be contending for a title for the foreseeable future i don't know if he's the guy i mean yeah i mean you know i was talking to my buddies here at school about that and they they kind of blame the they kind of had the blame on danny more but i mean when you look at brad like who if we fired him you know who's going to come in and really you know give that culture change you know i mean i don't really know a lot about future nba coaches even from the college or even just exec, like not exactly, but like assistance. But I mean, I think Brad's the type of guy that's a good, good coach for like a rebuilding team. Like you were saying, the contending, like contending, we haven't taken that leap yet. And it's kind of, he's been here for how long? Since what, 2015? Yeah. And there was never, and it wasn't really 2014, 2015. Yeah. And, and, and the goal was to rebuild there and he rebuilt it a lot faster than, you know, we really intended over, for him to do. Yeah. And we overachieved with, you know, having Isaiah Thomas and then, you know, um, 20, 2017, you know, we get we get Kyrie, we get Hayward, Hayward goes down, Kyrie goes down, absolute shit show, and then, you know, we somehow make the conference finals that year, we almost beat the Cavs, and then after that, it kind of just went really, really south, yeah, but, I mean. But, like, to, to go back on your point with Danny, I with the whole thing that happened with Kyrie, I look back on it and I say, listen, like, you know, the move to move on from him was right. But where do you go from there? Because the Terry Rozier thing had been falling out as well, too. And I wasn't too sure how much I wanted to pay Terry Rozier, whatever not. And, and, and I was a fan of the Kemba deal at the time. I was hurt by Kyrie. I was pissed that we lost out the way we did. I, I mean, I think any Celtics fan was going to be incredibly upset and was ready to run Kyrie out of town just because of his actions. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it reminded me so much of David Price. It reminded me so much of David Price. But, hey, at least David Price won something. Um, but, but it was, but it was, it was yeah. very, it was very similar in that sense of very talented, running their mouth, it makes them impossible to like. And for what reason? Not, not unbeknownst to this, them being themselves, I guess. Um, but, and when Kemba comes here, you, you think of Yukon Kemba and Cardiac Kemba and, you know, what he's more of a team player. He'll be better for us. And like, it, it was, it, it was a panic move at the time. It looks like a slam dunk. Like, oh, we can get Kemba. Kyrie's hands down the better player than Kemba, but no one really looked into health or injuries or longevity with Kemba or just consistency over time with really looking at, like, I don't really think anybody looked at the broader picture. I think they just looked at max contract point guard. We can go get him. This is who we can slide in there to replace Kyrie. Al Horford's leaving, you know? I, I, I thought it was kind of a panic move. And now in hindsight, if you look at it, if you don't say you don't sign Kemba and you do re-sign Terry Rozier to that, what, what, that contract that he has now, what is it, uh... I think it was, what, three years, like $80 million, I think he signed for. 
or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can he, look it up right now, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's he's all, he got paid really bad. But he's having a good year though. So he's, he's, he's really, so. he's really having. Rosie is really having a good year. I mean, I mean, you're not gonna know that's gonna come come from there because I couldn't have told you that, and I told you it was a good deal at the point at that time. But now in hindsight, I mean, everybody can play Monday morning quarterback, but at the, at the end of the day, there's one person who's making those decisions, and that's Danny. You know, we're we're, we're critics of that. Yeah. Um, and while it wasn't exactly like it was a slam dunk to keep Rosier, if you look at what Rosier is doing this year for the contract that he has, it's definitely not a max contract. And at the time, he looked like he was getting overpaid. Yeah, he's, on, he's on three years, 56 and a half, I just checked. Wow, 80 was a big overshot. So that's not a really bad deal yeah, for a player who's averaging 20 a game. Um, but I knew it was a bigger yeah. deal for him. But right now, you could look at a player... I mean, Bradley Beal's not disgruntled. So, I mean, it's hard to make that move, but... I don't know, you look at a player like maybe a Zach Levine, or maybe you look at a player like a like, I'm not, Kobe White's too young, but or Alonzo. There's, there's certain players out there that you could guard help right now because my big thing is that you don't have to bring yeah. in a my, – my big thing is too is that if you can get – got to find a way to get Jason Tatum to defend the five like Pascal Siakam is starting to do because at that point you don't need an interior mm-hmm. post presence in offense. You just need one defensively. And if you can get Tatum to somehow learn how to defend the five if he really is 6'10", you can add add guard help. So it, with Kemba, you're locked now because no one's taking on a max contract without you taking on a big chunk of that contract and giving up, you know, a lot of assets with Kemba to move him on. If you have Rosier, you can exchange him for because there's obviously the bright future, cheap contract. Sign him to a big contract now that you have him for a player that's disgruntled and wants to move. But if you were to give up Kemba in any deal right now. Not only does it does it not bode well for any free agent signing here, because now you've run Kyrie out of town and you've ditched Kemba in less than two years, which which is obviously which yeah. I, I don't know if I buy into that that much too, but Boston historically has not. I mean, who no one really wants to come up to the cold Northeast historically in in, in NBA, NBA players no. You know, I mean, Toronto is starting to become not really not, Toronto's on a landing spot. None of these really Northeast spots outside of the Knicks. And the Knicks only recently becoming kind of a somewhat of maybe someone kind of takes a glance at because of the core that they have now. But no one looks at the Northeast. Jimmy Butler went to Miami. LeBron went to L.A. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi to the Clippers. Like Chris Paul to the Sun. It, it's all it's all Western and it's all and it's all towards those Southern states. So I, I just don't see like the, the Celtics have just. It goes. It's going from bad to worse. It, there's there's got to be some sort of culture shock in there, and like you were noting, what coach do you bring in? I, I think Mark Jackson is not a bad shout. Did Mark Jackson win anything in Golden State? Just the same as Brad Stevens? No. But what Mark Jackson did do for me is that he really brought the best out of not only Steph Curry but Clay Thompson. We didn't really see. I mean, their best. The, really, them coming into their best production was under Mark Jackson. Did Steve Kerr elevate that even more? Yes. I mean. No one could have predicted Steve Kerr coming in and winning 73 games with the Warriors and doing what he did there. I don't think anybody saw that coming. That dynasty came out of nowhere. No. But to say that, you know, Mark Jackson doesn't have any credit in that because Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were a very formidable backcourt. And when he when he was let go, it was almost a shock to a lot of people as to when Kerr was brought in. I'm not saying that the Celtics are instant final. Like they're not going to go right to the finals and win it with Mark Jackson as a coach. But what I would like to see is what he can do with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as that dynamic duo that he had with Clay and Steph. Oh yeah, I I agree. I think honestly, I think Mark Jackson. I was telling my buddies this a while ago. Like, Mark Jackson like got fired, but and then he never got even an offer. I don't think. I don't, he's not he's not coaching obviously right now. No, so, he's an analyst. He could have swapped spots with Brad. 
Yeah, yeah. He's an yeah, he's an analyst. I, I honestly I like Mark Jackson. I know I mean you know, at the time the Warriors were kinda, you know, growing up it was it was Baron Davis and it was Monta Ellis and then, you know, he comes out of nowhere, rebranding of the team and then bang, you got you see these two freaking superstars. Remember Steph Curry at, at Davidson as a, young, as a kid for me was one of my favorite players and then he comes to the NBA and who are these guys? Just just brand new brand of basketball, completely changed the game of how basketball is played today. And then, yeah, you know, Kerr comes in, you know, they get a bunch of the pieces, and then, you know, they go and win a bunch of titles. But I still think Mark – the fact that Mark Jackson doesn't have a job is crazy. I think he's pretty content with being an analyst at the same time, too. It must have been – I think it was wearing on him. And I think he did have a – I think he did have a health issue there at the end, too. I think there was a surgery or something he took care of before he went to go work for um, – I think it was ABC and ESPN that he worked for now as an analyst. I, I just think that that's the guy that would elevate this core. Like – I had said it would stand Van Gundy, too. People are like, oh, Stan Van Gundy, what's he going to win in New Orleans? I, I, it, it, for me, at this point, it's you're not going to win a championship this year by any means. And probably not the next year either because you, you're still handcuffed with that Kemba contract. So what, what, what would you see as a win? What would you see as a good result? And when, they took, and when Stan Van Gundy signed there, I said, I don't know if they make the play. I don't know if they win an NBA title. I don't think they do. I don't know if they make the playoffs. And that's that's a fringe point right now for the Pelicans. But I tell you what he's going to do. I saw what Stan Van Gundy did with Dwight Howard, and he's going to do the exact same thing with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. You should look at Heat. He just somehow manages to get more out of those young players and just turns the leash over to them. And, and what's he done? Zion's become more of an assist machine and played a different style of basketball. And Ingram's become you know a, a real true point forward. So with Jackson, I'm not saying he wins you an NBA title immediately, which doesn't which which totally sounds different as to what I'm expecting out of the Celtics and why I'm trying to get rid of Brad. But Brad will keep you in the race. Brad's a great X's and O's guy, I think. I think he's a great basketball coach. I don't know if he's a great NBA coach, if that makes any sense to everyone. I think I think there's a, I think there's a true difference being able to handle personalities, being able to handle the superstar game, being able to handle the one-on-one -on -one game. But then you have to take a peek at, you know, like Tyron Lue. Is Tyron Lue a better X's and O's head coach than Brad Stevens? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think he knows how to man I think uh, he, I mean, I, I, LeBron. You know what I mean? He LeBron, had he had LeBron. LeBron was his daddy. LeBron fucking made every fucking move and controlled the team. That's just how LeBron is. You but I, mean? I, I do but. think that something has to be said for them being able to win with Tyron Lue as the head coach because well LeBron does have a lot of say there. He still had to manage personalities of Kyrie Irving and stuff. Is it easier to do with LeBron in the locker room? Yes. But they fired a coach just a few games into the season there to bring him in. And he, he was the guy. Now he's out there in L.A. working with Kawhi and Paul George. So I don't really think you have to be the best X's and O's head coach anymore to be... I, I think Kerr understands his players. I think I think Kerr, obviously, great desi play designer. Shooter, incredibly smart individual indifferent of what you think about him off the basketball court but on the basketball court I think the big thing is being able to understand big minutes and how to get big plays out of your big time players I think Brad you know it's almost Hoosier style everybody touches the ball first before a shot goes up he just doesn't I don't I don't think he has that killer instinct and I think that rubs off on his players they can't develop that killer instinct that's my one knock on Tatum I, I don't think he's hit his statistical ceiling at all. I think he'll improve with points. If you can get him to defend the five, I think he's a plus. But right now, they're running Jalen at the two and him at the three in a game where you're running stretch three, threes as fours and twos as threes. 
and stretch fours as fives. You're spacing the floor more. Instead, we're running lineups with Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice, or Semi Ojale and Tristan Thompson and or Daniel Tice. Tatum at the three, Brown at the two, and then, J and then Kemba Walker at the one. I mean, Semi Ojale goes one of six from three, one of six from the field. Didn't knock down that three-pointer until the fourth quarter. He had 28 minutes played with eight minutes left. Two rebounds, no steals, no blocks, and was 0 for 4 shooting. And that's a guy getting 30-plus minutes starting in your starting lineup. Did he have 30-plus points the other night? Yes, but like I said, you, you can't... There's, there's, I, I've not seen the same rotation at all from Brad. When I mean, there's no consistency and there's no faith there. I mean, I know they've had injuries, but what it, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care who's hurt for you. It, it, outside of Tatum and Brown, yeah. Well, that's one thing. I, I think that there's something to be said about COVID and everything, but other teams are dealing with it now too. Um, but if you have Jason, and it's one thing, if it was Tatum and Brown that were hurt, there's an excuse. You can, you can make that excuse if. If Bruno Fernandez yeah, goes down, a, or, or, or Virgil Van Dyke goes down, there's, oh, boy, don't, you, don't say that. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I'm comparing it to you know something yeah, you're yeah. more relatable to. Like that's different. But if you're playing the Pistons with six wins, and yeah, Marcus Smart might be out. Yeah, there might be some guys banged up. But you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in your, in your lineup. There's absolutely no reason you're losing that basketball game. And the same, and I know the Wizards are playing some good basketball right now too. But to get blown out by them, it's just I just think it's unacceptable. I think. And I thought at the beginning of the season that Brad would be on the hot seat by the end of this year, maybe gone. Um, and I said this on a podcast a while ago, I have to clip it. Um, and that Danny Ainge is probably going to be good for this year, but he might have a couple of tough questions to ask with the owners in the, in the ownership box. You look at the Celtics now and everything that's gone down with the moves that have been made or haven't been made, and where we sit right now with the coaching and the core that we have, I think it's about a hot, as hot as a sauna up in that management offense right now with the hot seat for Stevens and the hot seat for Danny Ainge. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, Grusbeck could fucking lay the hammer soon, honestly. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, what, or what, 28 games in, 27? Wait, 13-13, 14-14? 13-13. Like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying so, to I mean, smash a panic button. I, 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 but there, you, you, I'm not always on that. We'll see in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the All-Star break is a genuine time of conversation. I think by the All-Star break, what they do with these guys is a genuine conversation. If we're hanging at one game above 500 at the All-Star break, I think the I think I think the conversation takes place up there. I think the rumors start to fly. I think that there's a there's a genuine chance that if they don't go on like a eight, win an 8 out of the next 10, you know, that there's going to be a genuine conversation that takes place that we have to move on. And and that and that's just that, and I don't think that means it's the end of Tatum with the Celtics or the end of Brown with the Celtics or even the end of a contending run. I mean, with Kemba's contract, it, it handcuffs you for sure. But I, mean, I still think there's a lot of potential. If, if for as much shade as I throw Jason Tatum, and for as much shade as I throw Jalen Brown for being willing to moving him for James Harden, it's still one of the most talented young cores in the NBA. And that's undeniable. and that's undeniable. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I I think I think it's it, hopefully they're here for a long time. Yeah, I I think it gets lost in translation with how critical I am early on as I see things for what they are, but I I, I try not to get lost in seeing what the future is. You know, I I think that when you have these players and these non-max contracts, and these young players, I mean we're a piece, we were a piece away, and, and I don't think Kemba was that piece. I think they pushed too hard for that, but. Because they lost Kyrie, they had they, they felt that they had to make some sort of fantastic move, in which 
just mm-hmm. which just turns out not to be the right one. But you know, you you you, you yep. get into a business where you know the stakes are consistently high and. Don't get me wrong. I think Danny Ainge loves Brad Stevens, but when it comes down to it, like you said, if it's it, if Danny Ainge is on the hot seat, that means Brad's on the hot seat too. You know, I don't. I, I think I think one goes with the other. Yeah, I agree. But as we'll get into some Premier League talk as well, because move on for the basketball because it's just it just gets depressing talking about the Celtics consistently like that because. Yeah. I, I just. I just I agree you, you expect so much more from 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 that core, but it, it, I think a lot of it doesn't fall as much on the players right now as it does on management. Um, but anyways, Premier League talk. My 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 team sits sixth, so that's great. So Liverpool sits sixth. Um, but again, I'm, I'm I'm pulling for Man United. I don't think anybody's touching Man City. I hope Man United wins the title. And 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 I mentioned it before. Um, it's like the Red Sox and the Yankees. The sport is just better when those two teams are competing. So for Liverpool to win their first title in thirty in thirty years, and then to the next to the next year to struggle and fight for the top four and injury after injury, I mean top four is genuinely in question right now. Um, and I'll get into it deeper as to like why I'm, I was fed up with the excuses, but also I was not at all referencing Klopp using his mother as an excuse. But that's to- totally unrelated to what I was saying, um, like in terms of all of it too, because I know I said it in my podcast. Um, but I'm pulling for Man United because it just imagine if Man United the year after Liverpool win for the first time in 30 years, and Liverpool kind of feel like they can take their foot off the gas a little bit. You know, they they don't really know how to handle success yet, so they kind of lay off their foot off the gas. Now all of a sudden they're struggling for top four. Now all of a sudden they're out of the top four, but it puts the pressure back on because all of a sudden Man United's challenging for a title. Not only are you going to miss out on top four, Man United's going to come back and win a title the year after you win your first in 30. I mean. If Liverpool do make that top four the next season, and regardless if they do or they don't, the the amount of pressure that puts on Liverpool to come back firing the next season, and then again, Man United and Man City, obviously being from you know both from Man, both Manchester clubs, I, I think off of a COVID season when things will be going back to normal and the fixtures will starting to lighten up, I think and really go back to normal. I think it sets up a really really interesting and with Chelsea adding Thomas Tuchel as a new manager and Werner and Havertz, maybe him being able to get more out of them. I think it sets up a really interesting, not this season, because that's interesting enough. I think next season it really sets up a, a dramatic show for us to be able to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, this year, I mean, the last five games, I mean, we've been freaking horrible. It's been kind of depressing. But to see Liverpool, after all the shit that their fans talk about, I mean, it's great to see. I mean, they deserve it. I mean, they've been blessed that they've had the same fucking starting 11 for the past two years. Van Dyke never... Never, rarely got injured. I don't think he ever got injured before the ACL with Pickford, whatever. I think I, mean, I think it was a head. Robertson, head, head, yeah. Head Rob, Robertson, Robertson has been a, a, year, a starter for, what, three years in a row? Trent hasn't been injured. Um, yeah, Matt Tip and Joe Gomez have been, you know, they've been injured. But, I mean, that front three, that front three has consistently been in. Been in. That's the bread and butter of that team. Yeah, your midfield, you know, has been lacking a little bit. Yeah, you bring in Tiago, world-class player, but he hasn't gelled. I mean – you really are really understanding the importance of Van Dyke. I mean, he adds so much more. I mean, he's a great – he's probably one of the best passing defenders I've seen. I mean, he, you know, he feel like he has so many assists. Hockey assists. So many hockey assists. Yeah, but he has – I mean, he makes the person on the side look better. I mean, look, Allison looks like a shell of himself lately. And I've always said this. I always thought Allison was overrated personally. I always thought Allison was made because of his front four – I mean, his back four. 
I mean, you're seeing it now. I mean, you don't have the pressures on him now to make the decisions. And, um, you know, he, the pressure's on Allison. And then, you know, he's looking like a shell of himself. He's not – I never want to hear he's the best goalie in the world because he's not. I never – I would never agree to that. I I respect Robertson. I give Trent respect. I know Trent's had a kind of a tough season. But, I mean, you know, he's been phenomenal in the last three years, two years he's been playing. Sala is incredible. Mon is incredible, but – Mino, I think I think this is Firmino's last year. I think Firmino is, um, you know, his production's gone down. Is he really the bread and butter to the uh, attack right now? No, I think I think I you know Liverpool is always Liverpool always sells their stars to make profit, despite them being this massive club that um, everyone says they are, and they can't really hold on to their stars. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of the uh, big big three leaves. I mean, I would I would be shocked if Firmino left just because of his lack of production. I mean, you get what you get for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a I don't know if it's the ability to hold on to our stars. Suarez, I mean, Suarez, that was inevitable. I mean, you know, Barcelona calls, you go. Yeah, I I just thought at the time Liverpool were in. If even like if, if they win the title, it's something else. But I think that move was well in the works for Suarez. I think the Coutinho move was, I mean, in hindsight, it looks it looks fantastic. Then it was like. But, I mean, for, for the price, it's hard to look away from that. I mean... Oh, no. The Coutinho price was bang on. I mean, you get 140... What was it? 140? 135? Something? 126, yeah, 140. Whatever it was. And we're still getting paid And then you rebuild. You get rebuild. You rebuild with that to getting a, a world-class goalie. And then you get... World-class the center back as well, league. too. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. Best defender in the world, probably alongside uh, Sergio Ramos. But, I mean, you completely change your team. And you go on and dominate and lose what two games essentially we lost four games in the last yeah. whole two entire calendar years to not losing four games in the last two weeks i think people are gonna hit like you know smash the panic button and the rumors came out that there were fights in the locker room and that klopp was ready to take a leave of absence like i'm like let's let's hit the break like let's look at this like logically you've played how many weeks now without one the arguably the best defender in the world. I mean, there's not many teams out there that can you you take away De Bruyne from from Man you take De Bruyne away from Man City, um, you take Bruno away from Manchester United, you know you know take Sergio Ram not I wouldn't say I don't even know if Ramos is that important Real is Real. You take Messi away from Barcelona for yeah. a period of time. You know you know those are the play. I mean people people are gonna bat crazy eyes at me. You know oh you can't compare it. but like that's the the most impactful player. You take the most impactful player in the field of any of these teams away. I mean, they're all going to struggle. I mean, it's, I mean, there's been, they've been running. I mean, Man City's adapted with different formations and such, but and I'm sure Liverpool would have done this. I mean, to center back, so it's a different different kind of feel. And, and Liverpool tried to adapt. They adapted with Jota, and then Jota picks up an injury. You know, they've they've he's done a lot. I think he's done a lot of things differently, but it's hard to adapt to different formations when you're running two you know central midfielders as your center backs, and it it and and I think some of that's going to fall on FSG as well too. If that's the case, I, again, I don't know what goes on there. I don't know why they didn't spend until February first. Because if you're willing to sign K back for that for that deal, why not do it at the beginning of January? So when it comes around to these big games, he's already worked into the first team. If you think he's that guy, no. which I think that could, I think if K back performs well, I don't think that first performance is going to have anything to do with what his entire time is like. But say K back does perform well, I think you sell. Joe, I think Joe Gomez is on his way out of the club. If K if K back if K back does ah uh, no I, I I've I 
I'm not a huge fan of Joe Gomez, but I mean, he's a good defender. I mean, I, and he's in, he's in, uh, I think he's an academy player. I mean, he's still young. I think he's only like 24 to sell him. But with I mean, the injuries, the problem with you guys is I remember. I, no, you can go. I, I, I just think with his injuries and such, yeah. it's worth, it's, it's worth, it's worth moving on from. I think, I think there's some players. I think, I just think it's been one thing after another. Tiago was looking really good, looking like he was gelling. Then he gets injured. Then he comes back, and now Henderson's playing center back. Fabinho's playing center backs. Yep. Wijnaldum's playing as your holding mid. So now you have to work with it. It, it, it changed. So many dynamics changed in consistent times. You know, the second that one guy would adapt, the second we adapted to having Fabinho and Henderson as our center back pairing, you, you, you know, it, we, we more injury after injury takes place, and, and, or Alexander Arnold starts playing well for a game, and then. All of a sudden, Fabinho starts playing badly, and now he's hurt, and he was probably playing that game hurt. So I just think, you know, there's there's a certain thing to be ex- excuses to be made about injuries, but and then the whole Klopp thing with his mother too. I mean, I people were like, oh, look at him shed tears. Yes, Liverpool rest losing. Peace. Rest, rest yeah, yeah, that was my thing. Is I was like, I was like, I I don't think that had anything to do with losing. It had everything to do with the fact that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. He's been he's put his he's put his heart and soul into this team, and he can't even go to his mother's funeral. He can't even go see his mother or see any of his family because of COVID travel restrictions. And now he's his team's lost four games in two weeks when he's only lost four times in the last two years. I mean, you see how much passion and how much you know he puts into this club. And then for people to come out with rumors saying he wants to leave and saying his team, you know, he's finished and he's done and we should fire him. And and the guy's going through the passing of his mother in the middle of a pandemic. Well. He's trying to work with defensive. He's trying to work with central midfielders and attack in in defensive midfielders as his, as his center backs. I mean, I, I think there's a certain you have to take a step back and really kind of look at things for for what they are in a certain sense. Like, yeah, we sit sixth, but sixth is probably a blessing in comparison to what other teams would do if they had to deal with this situation. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's different because you guys are the reigning champions. And I remember, I would tell. Well, my other Liverpool friends, I'm like, the problem with you guys is you, it's going to come up to you. You guys got to get depth. When you look at that Liverpool depth, that bench, last two years, I mean, there really hasn't really been a lot of quality to come out of that bench. I mean, and now when your stars are injured and you, when you're, you know, when you're depleted, you know, you have Origi coming, Origi trying to fit the role. He's, he's not good anymore. Shakiri's finished. Well, actually, Shakiri had a, had a pretty good good game. He, they're, they're, game they're all hit or miss. I, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing at Man United. I mean, like, I love Juan I, I mean, I respect Juan Mata, what he's done, but, I mean, could he really still be here? I think he should be probably on the touchline as a coach with um, McKenna, Fletcher, and, and Ollie and Carrick. Well, but well, it's I, just – and even Matic is getting old, too. I mean, you just got to – like, look at City. The, the, that's the thing with City, though, is, like, they lost to Bruyne. Gundogan's been a great player, but they have so much squad depth. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean, someone gets injured – Someone's gonna come in right away and replace and do a great job. They don't job. even have to really get what... They just bring in players to bring yeah. in players, and they do a good job. Yeah, they spend the money. Yeah, they have the Arab owners, but I mean, they spend it pretty wisely. I mean, I think their only really bad signing was Mendy. To be honest, I mean, I I, re- I really remember what other signing that they was really bad. I mean, John Stones was looking Otamendi. really rough. Otamendi was a bad one. Um... Otamendi Otamendi was there before Pep, so he was. Uh, in hindsight, yeah, he's Pellegrini. He's Pellegrini's guy. Uh, but I mean, he was horrible. He's he's gone. But there was, I, I mean, the thing is with like that too. With like you're saying like that, how Man United like the, Matic is only like those guys like Shakiri, Origi, 
those are guys that you can't rely on them to play 20 games. I mean, th it's one thing to have an injury come up there and then, then and now again. Those guys are prepared to step into that role for a game or two and, and prepared to really sell out and give their all for what it's worth in those game or, in that game or two because they know that's what it's for. But the second you all this, the second your center back goes down, then your right back goes down, then your midfielder goes down. So all these dynamics change, and all these players shift their positions, and all of a sudden Shakiri's playing twelve games in a row for you as a as as an just a slightly advanced number eight as a central midfielder, when he's naturally more of a ten and more of a winger, and he's doing it, and he has to play there consistently now. So I think a lot of those Liverpool like bench depth pieces were good for what they were worth. You could call on Ox when you needed him. You could call on Shakiri when you needed him. Like, but that, but it wasn't like when I say need him, you didn't need him for twenty games. You didn't need him for the rest of the season. All the all of a sudden, because you're playing midfielders as as defenders, you're, you're calling upon these guys like James Milner, who is your club vice captain, is there Gosh. to he, who is there to to mentor players and is is good for what he's worth. You know, he he he's he, you know, like you say he's he's like Juan Mata, like the Manu Matic. I mean. He steps in for a game or two. He can come off the bench for about 20 minutes. He can give you some energy, give you some juice, leadership, knows how to lead on field, and, and sets an example in the dressing room and in the weight room and in the training room. But when it comes, if you're asking the guy to play, you know, back, you know, three games in a week for the next four weeks at 36 years old, when he's already past his prime playing ability as it is anyways, never mind physically, no matter how much he works out, you're going to, you know, no one wins that battle. And I think that comes down to buying the depth pieces, but also I think it just comes down to, you know, injuries are part of the game, yes, but this is bad luck there. You know, I mean, if you, I mean, I know you guys have, you guys have seen it too when, when Fred was picking up injuries, Maguire was struggling, Rojo used to get injured all the damn time, Rashford was in and out, Martial was in and out. You know, you guys, I mean, you guys have finally been able to stay healthy on the stretch, and you had a player like Bruno, who I think has been just as impactful as Van Dyke has in his career, at least to say, in comparison between the two clubs. It's weird with Bruno, it's because, like, you know, he has games where he's, you know, he's unbelievable, and then he has games where he's where he stinks it up, and then he'll, like, the, the other day versus uh, West Brom, really didn't have that great of a game, but he scored a crazy volley with his left with his weak foot. Like he has, he has so many bright moments, and yeah, he takes likes he loses the ball a lot because he likes to take risks. But we needed that guy to you know take risks in the midfield because I mean our midfield was so boring and stagnant. I mean, you know, I, before he's... you know came and and then you know, but Pogba Pogba has been Pogba was unreal this season. He was probably one of the best midfielders in the league this season until he obviously got injured. So that's kind of been tough. But uh, I mean, Martial has been disappointing this season. Uh, Rashford's decision making and finishing. Is like flip flop. You can have a week where his his finishing is lights out, and then there's some weeks where it's embarrassing. Um, defense. I mean, yeah, Maguire. At first, I think it's a little too much hate. I, mean, I, I do too. Bai is healthy, man. He's he's unbelievable. When Bai is healthy, he's nasty. Luke Shaw up is up there with Breswell and Robertson is probably the three best left backs in the league this season. Luke Shaw has been unbelievable ever since we signed Tellers. He he's been. Um, is unbelievable, and I really wanted Tellez to be that guy because you think about it, you need balance. I mean, Tellez can attack, Wambazaka really can't attack. He can defend. Tellez isn't really known for a defender, but Luke Shaw has kind of been that balance at left back, attacking wise, attacking presence and defensive presence. But also Wambazaka, I think Wambazaka has like two goals this season and like four assists. Yeah, he's 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 advanced well. That was 
because he gets so much shit on Twitter. <laughs> that was how bad he is on. Yeah, that that's something I got away from you. You look at it for some sources of content for me, but at the end of the day, like I analyze stuff for what it is, um, and let people analyze what I have to say from 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 a backseat. And Juan Basaka, that was the big knock on him, and I never said he couldn't do it, but that was the big knock was him. Um, was he was he was he going to eventually transition the center back to play with Maguire or play with you know by you know whoever it may be back there, or would he develop an offensive yeah. game? And he's obviously developed the ability to go forward. I also think the creation from Bruno Fernandez helps in that sense because they're so able to get up so quickly in the counter and he's so fast and physically strong. I think Cavani was a good mm-hmm. ad for you guys as well. And you say like yeah. all these Liverpool fans that gave Manchester United fans shit. I was not one of them. I was one I, I was probably one of the most pro all A guys and not for the meme sake. I know some people that would be like, Yeah, let all <laughs> you know, keep Ollie at Man United, yeah, keep yeah, Ollie's at the wheel, let him stay. You know, I w- w- you know you joke around with all like, all at the wheel and all that stuff once in a while, but I still thought that there was so much. It was so commendable to me to how much those guys liked to play for him in the big games. There was he he had yeah. he had the locker room's respect. It was a matter of developing developing himself tactically, and the the easiest transition tactically for him was being able to sit back deeper and allow Bruno to really just you know just dish it out from wherever he is on the field, you know? They drop yeah. back. They don't sit as high of a line as they had before, which has made which has made, Maguire, which has made Maguire better. Luke Shaw and Juan Basaka like that. But you can also explode out from the back with Pogba, with Fred, with Bruno picking out passes. Ra- I think Rashford's been re- a, a pretty big part of that as well, too, this season. So, you know, Greenwood's still pretty impressive, too. I mean, there's still a lot of room to grow for Man United, but... I also, you know, I also think giving Ole the time was was a good decision because he, he just he was finally able to kind of fall into groove, and, and sometimes one player can make that difference. You know, Bruno ha, Bruno has been that one guy to make the difference. I mean, that team lives and dies with Bruno. I love Marcus Rashford. You know, I root for Harry Maguire. Uh, I think De Gea is a, still a very solid goalkeeper. I like Aaron Juan Bissaka. You know, I'll still take Trent over Juan Bissaka, but I still like Juan Bissaka a lot. You know, and I like Fred a lot too. I think Fred received a lot of outlandish hate early on. Fred's, the, Fred's underrated. Yep, yep, he's become underrated because everybody thought he was yeah, overrated. Right. Like, I mean, that's that's the yeah. problem with a lot of people. Like, yeah. no, like, I, I love Fred. I honestly, Fred, Fred plays with, Fred, uh, sorry, Fred plays with a badge. He works hard. He has a lot of passion. And he's always, he's a workhorse in the midfield. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he doesn't really do well at breaking lines, but he's great at getting, winning the ball back and kind of just playing and defending. But, I mean, he's not good going forward. I mean, you know how many times Fred has shot the ball outside the box with his right foot? And I always ask myself why. Like, I, I think since he's been at Man United, I think he has three goals, either three or two. Like, it's all been his left foot, and he decides to just shoot with his right foot, and it doesn't even go near the goal. It's pretty frustrating. But McTominay's been great this year. I mean, I love – I've always loved McTominay. I know a lot of rival fans don't like him because he, like, it's kind of like – He's just aggressive in the midfield. He'll he'll bump into you. He'll shove you. He'll probably he'll talk shit to you. But that's the type of guy you need. You know, a title winning team. You need, that's kind of like how uh, Robo is for Liverpool in a way. Like Robo, Robo Henderson, is, James Milner, you yeah. name it. We have. Yeah. I mean, we're built on they that. They don't put up. With, they don't put up with any with any shit. They you know, they kind of want you to let them know, like I'm fucking you. You don't fuck with me. I'm gonna fuck with you. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, you know, Green one this year. I think the problem that we've had recently over time is that. Never really had a force on the right side. I mean, I honestly, I really do like Rashford on the right. But, you know, I mean, yeah, we missed out on Sancho. But at the end of the day, like, I think it was kind of a smart decision to pull out. Because, I mean, it's 120 mil for Sancho. is still a lot of 
it's still a lot of money and you know maybe that price can come down in uh maybe the summer i mean i don't know how much it'll be i still think we need to fix that fix our defense um you know De Gea had a bad game recently and everyone wants dean henderson to start over but i think De Gea has been great this season um i know you were mentioning that wambazaka could play center back but that only be maybe a five in the back i mean yeah yeah i would play him in set pieces wambazaka is has really bad awareness sometimes there you'd have no idea what he's thinking same thing, that's the same thing with Maguire. Maguire on set pieces will like to um, play the whole entire other team on side. It's just it can get frustrating at times because looking at our last uh, games, I mean, the game versus Everton, we're up to nothing. Then they come back, we score a lucky goal. I mean, their goalie had a bad game. And then it felt like a loss when when, when Kyra Lewin scored that goal in the last second of the game. I was so mad. And then we lose to Sheffield. And then earlier in the season, Champions League, we gave Istanbul their, their first ever Champions League win with Demba Boss scoring, 40 years old. And then you look, you look at the Turkish table, and they're 18th. It's like, I feel like we don't we don't take every game seriously. We just expect to go in and there and win. That's not how... They're, you know, and, and they're not at that point yet, you know? Manchester United is, is back onto being on that road as to where they can look at those games and be like, we sh- you know, we should win this and just walk in. And maybe they struggle, 2-1, 1-0, but... They get it done. And Liverpool did that for a while, too, before all these injuries mounted up. You know, Man City's done it for a very long time. Bayern Munich does it. They Like today, they went down, you know, 2-0, then 3-1 to the team 16th in the league. And then they came back to draw 3-3. You know, you, you get to a certain level of greatness as a club. Um, and and even in your even on your worst days, you still you still are able to pull off the, the fantastic, which is what Liverpool did last season. Um and I think people are gonna, you know, I don't, I don't think by any means Liverpool are done or finished. You know, I think there's a, you know, as you get players back healthy and as we, as, as they may, as they make the changes now, I think Klopp will change the way that he's going to play. I think he will change up formations too, as opposed to just kind of, you know, we'll deal with it. I, his comments that he made today, I did like. I, you know, he was, just, it wasn't the excuses that he was making for. Oh, well, they had two weeks of rest and we didn't. It's just, you know what? People have injuries. People have tough days. People have bad weeks. You know, we work with it. We deal with it. And I think that's more of the attitude you need as as a big club, as a Liverpool or as a Manchester United. There's there's no time to make excuses. There's no time to be like, well, we didn't have this player for this day or this or that. You know, VAR has been an absolute shambles. No matter what way you look at it, Amartey's foot looks like he's offsides. Firmino's offsides by a fingernail against Aston Villa years ago. You know, or Manchester United, it's not a penalty for Bruno or his foot was on the line. You know, there's no... I don't think the complaint with VAR is that it's there. I think the complaint is that it, it's so wildly inconsistent for something that's supposed to be able to keep the game in line. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But in terms of big club mentality, like you said about McTominay, you need players like that, and you should act like that. There's no one on Manchester United who should be getting pushed down, and there's no one on Manchester United who should be getting trolled by other team players, you know? You're Manchester United, you know? You're Liverpool. There's no one... I don't... Even Robbo or Mil- when Robbo was pushing the head of, of Messi down... When you get yourself settled, like you, that's the mindset you need to have. You just have to have. There is no player. There is no team bigger than you. You are. You, you are the mm-hmm. club. You know. Uh, I think Bayern's very good at it right now too. There's no one holding Bayern down. Um, Liverpool had that attitude. Manchester United's beginning, I think, to develop that attitude. And players like McTominay, players like Fred, you know, are, I think are going to end up eventually keeping Pogba around when he was wanting to stay. I think that the the mindset has changed there to, you know. You know, starting to to feel bigger than where they were to to where they were performing. You look at a club like Arsenal now, like a player like Bukayo Saka, 
who who takes pride in being out there and and is, has shown a sense of pride and it's rubbed off on the rest of his team. You know, sometimes it can really take one of those electric mm-hmm. players or one of those players like Bruno really brought a jolt into making people around them better. But now that confidence is there. Liverpool have lost their confidence, and you see what it does to a team like that or a team like Barcelona with Messi kind of losing his confidence or. Or a team like Real Madrid, who don't have Ronaldo, how the culture totally changed there, you know? It, it really does, it can come down to one player, I think a lot of times in soccer, or football, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I also think like there's, there, there's, there's something to be said about winning culture in all of sports, and you look no further than Tom Brady, too. You know, there's, there, I'll, I'll, you look no further than what winning, winning culture could be provided by one player, especially when they have a string of success. Um, so that that's mm-hmm. that's what I have to say about that. I think that big club mentality is a huge, huge thing, and I think you'll see Liverpool really fight back with it. I I think anybody that really does know, I think they they I think the more people that say that they are done or are finished are the ones that want them to be done or want them to be finished. And I'm not expecting miracles here, oh, but you know I'm not expecting miracles here. But also I do think that there is there is going to be relevance to the difference in the comments from Klopp and them rallying around Klopp and just rallying around the fact that. You know, what pushed them for so long was the fact that they come from blue-collared Liverpool and they were the underdogs. You know, they didn't handle the success that well in being the top dog. Well, now they're right back to where they were. How do you handle that? You know, how, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face is the kind of way I see it. And, and United has to deal with the same thing down the stretch with having to, you know, deal with City just winning just winning basically every game throughout, you know. What... You know, how, how far are they willing to be pushed mentally to really maintain that race? And do I think that they have the consistency to do it this year? No. But are they still going to finish higher than us? Are they still going to finish in Champions League place? And have they still made huge strides this year? Yes. And will I be rooting for them all the way? Strictly for the fact that it puts more pressure on Liverpool ownership to spend and more pressure on Liverpool ownership to to put more into this club um, and, for, and to see... You know, for scouting and Edwards and more people to be brought in and really reevaluate, you know, in terms of, you know, bringing youth around or as opposed to bringing in depth. I- I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, regarding on Klopp, I just, you know, I'm, I get it. He lost his mom. It's very sad. But even before that, obviously that's tough. You should be able to go see his mom. But just the excuses he makes, yep. not, even, not even about, obviously, he makes so many excuses. And you like, dude, like, it's it's kind of it's like embarrassing. It's just like it was it was it was a huge he complaint. Always, for me. He always complains. He always complains to the referees, and, the, and then the referees, you know, big Klopp will say something to referees, to the FA, and then all the referees are, are changing decision. It, it screws up the game. It's it's horrible. He makes so many. He blame he'll blame the wins. He'll blame how the team that plays. I'm just like I'm like, listen. I get told this Liverpool team is the greatest team that ever played in the Prem, and you're gonna complain about all this little shit. It's just. It, it's my. It, it pisses me off, and I know it pisses off a lot of other footy fans. Because it's just embarrassing. It. So, some of it does. Some of it doesn't. Celebrates stuff is just. Oh, I can't take. So, like, he runs on the field. And, there's the passion. Oh, there's the passion there, and, and but but the thing with the referees and all the complaining and, and his advertism that it, it that that annoys me too because then from him the, the counteraction between him and Mourinho and in, in the double standard there is just. It's whatever. I think Mourinho's an ass, and I think that he did. But, but at the same time, Klopp, there shouldn't be a double standard there. Him complaining to the FA for more subs, I think, is legitimate, because I think any team would be down for that. I think... Uh, I like the five-sub rule. I really... 
I really enjoyed it uh, second half of last uh, year. I really did like the five sub rule, to be honest. But I, I think I, I think I, I, I think that was a genuine you know move, and I think there was people that were genuinely behind that. But the excuses of oh they had two weeks rest or you know this or that the complaints about VER are just you know they're out there. I'm not going to criticize anybody. Sure I'm not going I'm not going to criticize anybody for for anything to do with VER because or at least complaining about it because it deserves every complaint it gets. Not for the fact that it exists, but for the fact of how inconsistent it has been. But like, like mm-hmm. you said, like the wind or the the other style, the way the team plays, like him can. I mean, like just like the Burnley game for me was what sold it. Where I was like, this isn't about what Liverpool have to do. This is all about them being. They were they this this wasn't about overcoming you know Burnley and really fighting for that game. That was that that was a pout that they just started to pout at that point. They pouted and, and, and tucked against Burnley, and and that's not what a championship side does. Last year, your championship side, they come back, they at least get a point from that game at the very least. You know, this year they just don't have that same mentality. Now, are they worn out from it? Are they worn out from COVID? Are they are, are they worn out mentally from that winning mentality? Do they really not understand with the way the the core worked and not having had that so consistent success from the last year? Do they know how to handle the success because? You know, they walk into, you know, they, they hit a wall when you lose a player like Van Dyke. Did you lose that sense of leadership and ability to handle that success? Yes, I think all of that is true in the above. And, and I've held my team accountable to that, too. I've, I've complained about that for, for, for a while. I've been saying for a while. I think it's more of a race for the top four than it is a title race. I don't think we're in the title race at all. And then you come in, and just the, like said, the excuses from Klopp were bombing. The, the mother thing is totally separate from me campaigning about the excuses. I think anybody, I think anybody who's ever suffered loss of a great, just loss in general, understands where he's where he's coming from. There, you know, people take leave of absences from work. I mean, especially if it's if it's your mother and you can't even go see her, pandemic or how long he hadn't seen her for, and and at the same time, in, in his tenure here, when they've had so much success, he's now experiencing more struggle in terms of injuries and everything all at once. Of course, there's going to be emotion there. But I, I, but like you said about the complaining, you know, most of those other interviews prior to that, I would have expected him to complain about something or complain about the subs or complain about the rest. I was so happy to see him come out in the press and say, you know, everybody has to deal with all the stuff that we're dealing with. I don't need a break. I, we, I appreciate the condolences. I don't want to be treated any differently. I want to get back to work and we'll work with it. I, I think that shows more for what this Liverpool team's going to do the rest of the season. I have like I've been I was more worried when he was making excuses as opposed to now where I am dead set knowing that this Liverpool team is going to look totally different coming out of you know these changes right here just because of those comments alone because he like you mentioned like all he's done is complain in the press and it gets annoying that's like the first time he's come out in a very long time and said you know what we're just gonna get after it and attack it we're gonna deal with it yeah I mean I and like you know obviously you know losing someone is like that is. It's tremendously sad, and I hope the players. I mean, if I'm a if I'm a player, I want to be playing for Klopp and playing for the fans. I mean, this is not how you retain a title. You gotta play for your manager, back your manager. The manager's done everything the last three years to change this organization and the club. I mean, step it up. You shouldn't be losing to these teams. You shouldn't be putting these horrible performances in and letting all these fans be like, "What the hell?" This, that, you know, Liverpool fans are getting reminded of, uh, you know, 2013, 2012, 2014. They were horrible. I mean, not 2014, but you know when Liverpool was really shit when they were in bouncing down from sixth to seventh to eighth to fifth. Yeah. You know when the, they the, really the, weren't challenging. You know, that's how it's kind of been for me. For me, as Man United fan, since I became a fan of I me, mean, we had never really been. 
we had that one good year in a Jose. Um, well, the first year of Jose was pretty decent, but Jose's, Jose's style just was boring. And then, you know, he gets sacked after the Liverpool game, and then all he comes in, we play good attack in football. Now it's kind of paying off, but we still need to work on little things. But That's that's it. It, 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 it. just It's developing that winning mentality. And Liverpool have had it for so long, and they've kind of, you know, they kind of lost it right here. And like I said, it's... There's been, there hasn't been a lot of teams you see in recent memory that have had to deal with this amount of, you know, these amount of, not distractions, but it's been a lot of adversity to take in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, Man City had to play Fernandinho as a center back as well, too, and they struggled to compete for a title in that season as well, too. So uh, there's there's a lot to be said about it. I think it's because we are the reigning champions and we had won the Champions League the year prior that there is a lot of question marks around it, but... If there's been a team to show any resilience in the recent years, I think it's also been Liverpool too. So I'm not too worried about top four. And those those comments have, you know, they've encouraged me. But also uh, to, to your note where these players, the players have to look at it better. If there's been one good thing to come out of the struggles for Liverpool, I think a lot of uh, of the neutrals and other and other like other like opposing teams, footy fans, can finally look at Mo Salah and say, okay, this. This guy's kind of for real. If people hadn't seen that before, I think that it, I mean, like, I know some. I mean, you shake your head thinking like, no, I knew Mo Salah's for real. But I think that there's been a lot of people that have been like hypercritical of him. But you look at it now; he looks like he's the only player on that field. Him and Curtis Jones look like the only people out there that want to play. I mean, Henderson too, but he's in the center uh, back position. Henderson, Henderson, Henderson always looks like he wants to play. But when you take him out of his, it, that's been one of the biggest things. I think you miss his impact in the midfield because of how well. He orchestrates play for us. Um, he can't really do that from the center back position, not naturally for him at least. You know, he could eventually, but not naturally. But Trent just hasn't looked the same player. And again, Jason Tatum hasn't looked the same since he had COVID. Cam Newton for the Patriots didn't look the same after he had COVID. I mean, Trent Alexander Arnold also had COVID and hasn't really looked the same since. Uh, you know, I'm not. I don't. I don't think I'm stretching too far in saying that a lot of these professional athletes that have had COVID have struggled. You know. In, in in a month or two following having COVID, and, and Trent, you can add Trent to that list. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I forgot who I was reading. I think it was, uh, who was it? What athlete said that it was really tough when they had COVID? I don't know if it was Cam, but I mean, it might have been yeah, Carl I mean, Towns. It, it is a big deal. Twice. Oh, yeah. And Carl Anthony Towns has had a really tough year. So, with COVID, yeah. to him, but, um, like I was saying, man, I was speaking on Henderson. Um, you know, I've never really been a fan of Henderson, obviously. I just don't really like him. I mean, I, I got to give him credit. I mean, I think he's uh, – no one really rated him until Klopp – no one really rated Hendo until Klopp got there. And then, you know, looking at the team now, I think he's a he's a really good passer. I mean, he dictates the, he dictates the midfield really well. And then when you put, you know, obviously your leader, him and Van Dyker, your leaders of that team, you, you take your leader out and put him in a – center back position where you really can't distribute the ball to the forwards as good as you can from the middle of the field to like near the goalie, obviously it's going to be different. And obviously no Van Dyke is just a nightmare. And yeah. Even they can see, they conceded seven to Aston Villa with Van Dyke, but that was also like the unluckiest game I've ever seen. It was just crappy goals that were going in left and right deflections. It was just it was stupid. It was a horrible loss. Like we lost six, one to Spurs. That was horrible too, but I mean, I don't know. If Van Dyke comes back, are you guys gonna win every single game in a row? Like, no, I and, I, know, and I and I and I don't want to and I don't want to rush Van Dyke back. I don't want to rush Van Dyke back even That's at the that. Too. I feel like he's rushing himself back, and I'm, just, saying, I'm telling. And, him, and I appreciate it. You know, you respect it as a fan, 
But I don't want that to happen. Why would I want to rush back the best one of the best defenders in the world just to come back and not, not be and be a shell of him for of his former self? You know, even if it means that if it's a difference team top four or not top four for the season, I, I I don't want him to rush back. I'm totally content with finishing fifth or sixth if it means we don't have Virgil. If it means Virgil Van Dyke doesn't rush back and re-injures himself and we lose him for another season, I want him for a full season next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at top four, I mean, top six right now, it's City, United, Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham. You guys, I mean, I really don't think West Ham is really going to keep their form. I mean, I can see Man United. I mean, we've already basically imploded, but, I mean, who knows? We can implode more. I mean, Chelsea have been looking decent. Um, Leicester, I think. I don't think Leicester's going to collapse like they did last year. But they're also Brendan really Rodgers. Really I mean, they're they also were... a Brendan Rodgers team, so they just, it's just instrumental that they have to fail at some point. Yeah, that's true. But they did. They had a lot of injuries last year. Uh, Madison was hurt, I believe. Um, I don't know if Sayonchnu was hurt, but I know I know Madison was hurt for a while, and he's been he's been fantastic this season. But I mean, the team is just firing all cylinders. I mean, Harvey Barnes has been great these last maybe five game weeks. Vardy's still top five goal scorer in the league, I believe. Um, they got a good team, man. It's just I I can't see them slipping up like they did last year. And yeah, West Ham they got Lingard. Why? I've always <laughs> I, everyone everyone hates Lingard, but I mean, since I've been a United fan, he's been he's produced some of the best moments, you know, in big games. He's a big game player, and I I wish him the best. He's been going through a lot, and obviously, you know, you want a, a kid who's you know Manchester born and raised. I believe he, yeah, he's, he's from the academy. Yeah, he's 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 a Manx. So I mean, obviously. If as a Manchester United fan, you want you know a kid who was born in Manchester, who's been with the club his whole life to succeed, and he's been doing pretty well. I think he he's like two goals in an in assist so far. He's been doing really well for West Ham. Um, Under Moyes you know, too, so he's familiar with Moyes. He's familiar with the manager. Yeah, he is familiar with Moyes. Moyes, um, not the biggest fan of Moyes, but I mean, good for him. That he's doing well at West Ham. I mean, I want Declan Rice, but I mean, I don't know if if Pogba stays. I don't know if it meant to have Declan Rice, Pogba, and Bruno would work. I feel like that'd be a little unbalanced. But I do love Declan Rice as a player. I think he's we, tremendous. We, I don't see I I don't see Declan Rice going to Liverpool or Mbappe or I could see I, 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 I could I could easily see us moving on from Fabinho and selling Fabinho and moving in Declan Rice. I, I honestly uh, I, Fabinho, I I feel like Fabinho still has a couple more years left. He should, but he just has been so wildly inconsistent. I get that he's been hurt, but. There's this part of me that feels that there's something up with Fabinho there. I, I have this odd feeling that Fabinho is going to move this summer. I don't, and if he doesn't move, he's go. It, it's, it's I don't know whether they move him to center back permanently or something. There's something is going no, to. Ha- can't do that to him. He, he I Fabinho has been. I remember. I'm he's one of the best ball winners that I've won. seen in his prime, and he's played well. Well, I remember it was freshman year of college. I remember I wanted. We were linked with Fabinho so bad. We needed. Um, this is before we signed Matic. I wanted Fabinho so bad because he was so good at Monaco in that Champions League run. I me- remember we wanted we- Man United was linked with him the whole entire time. Well, that's what the reports were. And then randomly one day Liverpool signed him out of nowhere, and I was like, and then he was phenomenal. He's been phenomenal for you guys at that playing in the deeper role in the midfield. And then obviously we moved the center center back, and he's done well there. I mean, yeah, he does well there alongside Van Dyke, but if you Fabinho and Hendo as a center back partnership is just obviously it's just yeah, kind it's of just, a disaster. It can, yeah. be, it can be a disaster. Do you know what I mean? But I don't know. Selling Fabinho would be risky. I feel like you guys would probably let Firmino go. And if God forbid, if Salah, if if Real Madrid or Barcelona come up with a crazy offer for Salah, that you guys can triple your profit. 
from how much you guys paid for him, I don't be surprised if you guys would sell him. I I, I think if anybody they move, I, I think if between the two, if we keep one or the other, I think at this point you'd probably keep Salah. If Monty would probably move before that, but I don't know what they're willing to pay for Mo Salah. But I also think that there's there's an understanding there that those guys just. I don't know. I think there's an attachment there. You win the Champions League and you win the league title for the first time in 30 years. I think there is an amount of an attachment there. But what? How much is that attachment worth with a price tag? You know what I'm saying? What? What? How? How much is that attachment really worth when it comes down to it? Because if they're right, willing to write you a blank check, it's hard to say no, especially those clubs. Exactly. And you mean you I mean your personal brand. I mean Liverpool's a massive club, but I mean you go to Barcelona, Real Madrid. Your 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 personal brand is going to be. Astronomically, I mean, look what it did for Ronaldo. Liverpool, in my opinion. Look what it did for Ronaldo, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, he was obviously he was one of the best players in the world, top three at the time, and he was at Man United. Goes to Real Madrid, becomes the best Real Madrid player to ever play at uh, Bernabeu, and then now he's the most popular human in the world, probably. To be honest, it's not like a politician, or whatever. Like, I guess you could say he's probably the most popular human. Yeah, I, I, I think if you look at I think if you look at social, social media and stuff like that, yeah, him and Neymar are up there for like in terms of footballers. Yeah, and Messi as well. And Messi, and I'm sure Mbappe is going to make his way up the list as well too. But I mean, like, I, I think that too is a whole other topic. I touched on other podcasts that the U.S. the U.S. teams looked really good in terms of football. You know, I think that the U, I think we had another record high in terms of Champions League appearances for American American League play, like American players. Um, if there's anything, in terms he was eleven. Yeah, eleven. You know, Des, every Matthew Hoppy, Fischel. I mean, there's so many names you can go through. Aronson, that kid Jesus Ferreira looked really good. Um, that's obviously a positive one. When you mentioned right wing, when you mentioned like on the right side of the field, you know, Sancho goes for 110 million. I've got the jersey on right now. Giovanni Reina would probably still go for a decent price, but could be a worthy move considering you know Pulisic's been hit or miss with Chelsea, but. I don't know, and, that, and that's something that I've touched on with Liverpool too. Is that I think Pulisic could be in their plans because they were originally like the Pulisic, um, and with Pulisic, you know, with a new coach coming, there's a chance, you know, there's always a chance that Liverpool could swipe in for a discount. But I think Gio Reyna would fit pretty well too in that in that United team. Uh, the thing with him, he's I think he's younger than Greenwood, you know. So yeah, it's he's, like, he's, he's he's very gonna be young. probably spending. So I mean, Foreman don't like to you know. Uh, they don't sell the youngsters cheap at the time. The young rising players, especially in the past, I mean, Dembele sold for a crap load. Um, so I mean, maybe give Reyna a year and a half to see how he does. Yeah. Maybe see how he does against Champions League games. You know, coming up. I mean, Dortmund right now is looking pretty horrible. Uh, I think they're in sixth place right now. Mark, yeah, they're, they're, they're taking Marco Rose is going to be taken over from Muchen Gladbach, but. You know, it has nothing to do with their player development or any of the transfers. It's a matter of getting a manager in there who can just game manage. And that's the thing. That's the problem I have with the Bundesliga. It's like, you know, I like Dortmund because honestly, I say I like I play like to use Dortmund on FIFA like way when I was younger. But like, I just don't like how they just don't even like even bother challenging Bayern Munich. It's like, if you're a Dortmund fan, it's like. When are you ever gonna win the the Bundesliga title again? They were close last year at times, but then they just set the. They haven't. They, they haven't. Bayern, you know, no. They haven't been the same since Klopp left. Klopp was like the only real saving grace, I and mean, that was like just the miraculous year, you know. So it, it, that it's tough. It's it's a really talented league, but also it's also kind of got to be annoying that they don't they, they develop players so well over in the Bundesliga, and it's it's very it's a very competitive league. But it's competitive player by player. 
competition-wise, but team-wise, it's just not... It, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's incredible to me how competitive it can be position by position, player by player, and how well they develop players, but yet, team by team, there's only one team who wins any year, and that's, and that's, and that's Bayern Munich. Yeah, and, I mean, look at the Italian league in Serie A. I mean, like, I'm, I'm an AC Milan guy. I've always liked AC Milan. But um, to see them... You know, see, see the Milan's back is great to see. You know, Juventus... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Ronaldo win, but it's getting to that time where it's just getting boring. I mean, you look at the top, I mean, outside the Prem in La Liga, it's always PSG, Iron, and Juventus. It's kind of ruining the sport. I mean, Milan, AC and Inter Milan have huge histories. They're huge, huge clubs. They should be top three in the Serie A every year. They should be top four in the Serie A. AC Milan owners, yeah, I know AC Milan's had some own, some issues with their owners, but I mean, I'm happy that Ibra is basically carrying them season Rebic has been really good I mean their uh their left back Hernandez has been great I mean it's good to see that they're really you know getting back to the standards that they should be held to because it's AC Milan and Inter Milan so and the rivalry's back now I mean it's a, it's a huge game now it's probably AC Milan Inter Milan is probably one of the bigger games in the world right now that everyone will tune in to watch because just even the last game with uh Lukaku and Ibra going at it, so I mean, you had the tension now because there was really no tension before because that's, Inter Milan was better, but AC Milan was shit for the last like four years. So that's 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 another one that's just like Man United, Liverpool, Red Sox, Yankees, um, and then Inter Milan, and AC Milan come back. I'd like to take credit for AC Milan too because you know I did the AC Milan career mode rebuild, and uh, ever since then they've been on they they've been they've been flying they've been flying high, but um. Yeah. I, I think that's very similar to any of those other like big rivalries and how much that they, they do mean to those to those cities and they do mean to the sport as a whole and it just it just grows the game so much that period of time because I'd never flipped on it. I, I mean I would flip on Serie A games from time to time, but I really am interested to watch like a lot of these A C Milan games on the stretch because they have a genuine shot at winning the damn thing. Yeah, I mean awesome to see. And I mean I think honestly if you know, if A C or Inter win if I'm Ronaldo you know, why am I going to stay at Juventus? I'd go. I'd look for a new challenge. You, I mean, it's granted to see how far they go in the Champions League this season, but I mean, Irlo, I don't think is the right guy. I think maybe Juventus kind of did similar mistake with Lampard. You know, hiring you know, a former legend, seeing how he's doing. But I mean, you look at that midfield. I mean, that midfield is just so unbalanced. I mean, you have so so many players on that team that are just good, but they just don't gel the system. I mean, obviously, I don't watch Juventus a lot, but I mean. It be, it be the, year, it, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it's going well. They paid Ramsey all this money. Ramsey does not even a guaranteed starter. Um, Rabio, they got him on a free, but they probably paying him a crap load of money. Is it really worth all that money? I mean, I know Lubendis has a crap load of money, but if I'm Ronaldo, I'm coming back to Man United, baby, and win, win the, <laughs> and coming to help Man United win the title, dude. If I'm Ronaldo, bro. It, 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 this this summer will tell for Juventus to see what Perlo can do to bring those games around. You mentioned about club legends and stuff like that. My my thing was that I thought Lampard was Lampard did so well without being able to buy players, and then when he finally bought players, he struggled. But you let the guy work out of trouble when he didn't buy any players. But then when he has players that he spent money on, you instantly cut the cord when there was no you know you didn't let him work out of that like you left faith in him when he had no money but then when you gave him the money he lost all the faith like i don't that doesn't make any it didn't make any sense to me you know they never really let him adapt or adjust or over over a season's worth of time because it wasn't like they were in danger of getting relegated and i don't think you bring in a guy like toykel i don't think there's any guarantees he pushes you for a title this year 
So why why the big you know why the big rush? You know, you let him bring in the money, let him bring in the players. I don't think anybody's going to demand to leave after a season. You know, yeah, I think you would evaluate it at the end of the season before you just you know cut it here, um, and then Perlo mm-hmm. you know struggling whatever it may be. Um, then a guy like Arteta is still employed. I don't know how he's out survived everybody else. I really don't know how he's out survived all these other coaches. Over the years, I mean Chelsea. I personally, I think Arteta needs. I give Arteta one more year. I don't think Arteta's that bad of a coach. I don't think he. Um, you know, Arsenal's board has been getting really better. They made a lot of good um, subtraction, I guess you could say, to the team, the squad. You know, letting Staffy go off wages. You know, letting Ozil go off wages. They also let Kolasinac go. You know, guys that getting paid a good amount. I think they're in the right step. I mean, um, but even with Chelsea, I mean, Abramovich doesn't mess around. Like, you know, he sacked. He sacked Sari. They won the Europa League title, and I think he got what fourth place or third, and he and he sacked him. Yeah. I mean, that's a compared to the top three clubs, Man United, Liverpool, Man City. Other than that, any any owner would take that, and he said no. Bounce. Conte won the league, and the year after, or the couple years after, he struggled, and they they bounced him. I mean, Lampard, club legend, probably probably the best player of all time, alongside John Terry, comes in, and then he. You know, he shines, you know, he brings this youth, you know, you see Mason Mount and Tam Abraham flourish, you know, he's, you think he, because he, he did so well at the championship with, with Derby, you know, Tamori, I, and I, and I'm, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I think uh, Tamori is a great player. He's fast, he's left-footed, he's good on the ball, and then AC Milan have him, and I'm pretty sure he's doing well over there, and same thing with uh, Delo from Man United, but, um, yeah, and they let him go, and yeah, they brought in Tuchel. But I mean, Tuchel's done well, but they haven't really had a big game. Well, you no, know, they did play Spurs, but um... but any but here's my thing with that is like in any sport when the coach gets fired, the NFL they win that week, they or at least they cover the spread that week. And any of those big any any time there's a big culture shock, like it 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 changes the players' ways. It's the consistency over time. And, and what my question was like, you bring in Werner, you bring in Havertz. Were those really were those really Lampard's guys, or was that the board saying, "Hey, we want to spend some cash. These are the big names we want to go after." Because I Lampard was. Well, I heard that. Oh. Right, well, I heard that. Um, like, yeah, Lampard talked to Werner and Havertz, but I heard that like they wanted some German players on the team because, besides Rudiger, like Rudiger really pushed, to get them, and besides Rudiger, I don't remember the last time Chelsea had a German player besides Balak. I think I heard sure, I left for a little bit. Oh yeah, Sherlock too as well, yeah. But um I mean over time I mean they kinda need German players and they you know, it's an investment on Havertz, you know, eighty mil, he's young, twenty one, twenty two, hasn't gelled. I think the I think the premise too physical for him, I think he needs to get a little stronger, he's he's a twig. And Werner, I think and that's the problem. I remember I was talking to my buddy who's a Chelsea fan, then um Werner thrived in a two striker system and then you kinda have him yeah, he can drove on the left and cut in, but he needs someone that can, you know, give you the ball in the middle of the pitch, and he's kind of getting drifted out wide, and I don't think he's really – yeah, he had, a, he, had a, he had a good game today. It was probably his best game in a long time this season, but um, That's... I just feel like, you know, the tactics that Frank – Frank couldn't develop a, a solid 11. Yeah, he had – I think the only people in that 11 that were really consistent starters were Mendy, who's now – out with Keppa, 
Reese James and Mount. I think those at the time. Jorginho those are two too, the yeah. Jorginho is pretty and consistent. Kovacic struggled a little bit. He's doing better. And then you know, Calum Hudson Odoi has been been great. I mean, think about Odoi, Mount, and and Reese James have been arguably the three of their best players this season. So, you know, and then you spend all this money, hundred, you know, on German players, German players, and. You know, it takes some time to adapt to the Premier League. It's not easy for everybody, and then you know you're really seeing the struggles of. Um, that's why that, that's why it confused yeah. me. Like Lampard had had so much success. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson Odoi. Like, you know, well Odoi having more success now, but he's had a lot of success over due time with English players. And they were linked to Declan Rice. They were linked to a player that could have been, you know, slid right in there. And they went for these German players, and that that just didn't seem to fit the system you had a cam and you have a striker and you're not running a two striker system it just seemed weird to me and it seemed like there was some there was a push in the different pushing from different directions that weren't all lampard and then the hiring of toykel confused me as well too because you could have gone for i would have wrote julie if I'm, if you're chelsea and you're in the games of writing blank checks which they do i'd write a, a blank check to the leipzig coach i'd write a blank check for julian nagelsman he would make Havertz and Werner work. I would look at Jesse Marsh, who coaches at Salzburg, the American coach. I would even look at Ralph Hasenhutzel at Southampton, who's also worked in those systems as well, and runs a two-striker system at Southampton. Given he's had some struggles at Southampton, he still does make a lot of the most of what he has in a two-striker system. But then you bring in Toiko, who, who struggled with Dortmund as it was, or struggled with PSG as it was. You know, it just it it didn't make sense that. I Sorry, he did bring PSG to the final last season, and the manager hasn't brought them into a final, James League final, in a long time. And I think the problem with him at PSG is just the players just didn't like him. I mean, Neymar, I love Neymar as a player, but I mean, he doesn't, does he really care about winning? Like, I think he does when he's playing, but off the field, and I don't know, I really don't think his mind is always at football. And I'm pretty sure the players really didn't like Tuchel. But, I mean, I think he's doing fine. Yeah, he runs. he's been running some weird formations, but... I mean, he's he, he ran he ran Werner as a left winger in a three four three. Yeah, that's which is really strange. So I mean, um, I don't think the hiring's bad. I think I like Nagelsmann, but I think Nagelsmann likes his Leipzig job too much. To be honest, I feel like he should have got a big hire maybe, um, maybe a year ago. I think Spurs should have went after Nagelsmann instead of Mourinho. Yeah, Jose's a big name, but that culture shock was like you were mentioning earlier is crazy. Also, Eric Ten Hag at uh, Ajax. Yeah, that would have been a good one as well, too. He had that, he had that great run um, at Ajax a couple years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Lampard. I, I think Lampard, I, I obviously loved him as a player, but as a manager, I was never really a fan of him. I thought he was a little arrogant, you know, but cocky at times. But, I mean, like I said, when you're in a big club, you kind of have to, you know, stand your ground and make sure your players, you know, look up to you and play for you. But, He'll get he'll get another See shot as a manager. He'll, I mean, he'll get another shot, and I think he'll be fine. You know, I, I think he'll develop over a period of time. Again, anyway, I think it just might have been too quick of a push. I think I think a lot of these managerial hires are right now they're 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 advancing a lot of guys faster because the good coaches are in really good spots that aren't worth leaving. You know, Nagelsmann not worth leaving. Marsh he's still at a very good young point in his career, not worth leaving. Ten Hag not worth leaving Ajax. So, you know, you have to really take a risk and I'm willing to take a risk on a guy who's coached a you know questionable team they take the young unproven guys but they with the names to sell tickets you know they the Lampards the Artetas of the world or, or the Perlos of the world you know before 
taking someone else who's proven but just hasn't had the success yet or has a set system and you know exactly what to expect out of him, you go with the bigger name because it's 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 safer when it comes to PR. I think Gerard is doing Gerard's doing really well. He's done it the right way. Making Celtic look like apps. And I think I mean it's obviously it's it's going to be coming that lamp. Gerard will be the manager of Liverpool in probably about eight years time. In eight, maybe seven, maybe six years, depending on how long Klopp stays. On on how long it depends on when Klopp, Klopp steps away and if Pep Linder steps in because I think it'll be Klopp for a couple more. Then I think Klopp will step down. It'll be Pep Linders to step in, and then I think after that Gerard will step in. Pep Linders, who who's that? He's the assistant coach. He's the assistant coach. He's done a lot of. Oh, our, so you think? You think Liverpool hierarchy will just let the assistant take over right away? They have they the Klopp, Klopp speaks so highly of him and says so many good things about him and like I've been critical of assistant coaches in the past of like just holding the cones, but in terms of player development, you see it on the yeah. sideline all the time. The like the, the genuine discussion that they have over who to bring on as substitutes and stuff like the combination of the two and how much work they're able to, he's able to delegate to, to Linders and the difference in like the coordination between the two shows a, especially between the go between the two of them and Michael Edwards has really, really been, you know, just, just seamless. I mean, I think my, our, our biggest regret was not going after Pep. Um, you know, because, you know, we had that we had those battles of Barcelona in the Champions League, you know, 2009, 2012, you know, 2008, 2012, we were battling with uh, Barcelona, you know, Sir Alex versus Pep. And then, you know, you can, there's an interview. I mean, Alex Ferguson literally wanted Pep Guardiola to take over. And he was kind of like starstruck and unsure. And then he goes to Man City and he lights it up. I mean, imagine imagine Man United had Pep Guardiola, all the money that we could be spending, we'd be, I, I, we'd be unbelievable right now. I'm so I, I don't know who'd be here, who would be gone. But I'm always gonna ask myself, you know, what what would it been like if we decided to jump the gun and get Pep? Yeah, it, it, it it's it's tough to sit the position of being like that big of a club and seeing like what you what could have been, what what you could have had like. <laughs> You know, you know, Cesc Fabregas probably goes to United instead. You know, you know, saying like there's different, you know, there's 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 so many different ways in which you know the cookie can crumble there, but you can only live in what you got now. And I think Ollie's doing a fine job for what it's worth. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, time 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 will time still will tell. Yeah, you, these last five performances has been a head scratcher for me. I mean, how can you be you know considered? He never said they were title. We were title contenders, but I mean, to be that close, you know, it's been it's been a while since we were that close. I mean, yeah, 2017-18, we came in second place, but we were that's when City were centurions, so we were never in the race, but we finished second with like 80, 80, 82 points. But I mean, we were on a we were on a run where we really could have stepped it up and you know threatened City, and now we just I don't know. I mean, obviously Pogba got injured, but we just took the gas. Off the pedal, and we now we suck. We're literally in, we're in horrible form right now, and it's and it's worrying me that we're going to keep collapsing because, you know, Chelsea could keep picking up form. You know, Spurs can, you know, rise up even though they're pretty far below down the table. Like I said, Liverpool's Liverpool's still Liverpool. Everyone don't count them out now. You know, anything can happen. They could. I think now is the yeah, time crazy, where most people will. Form, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think I think, I think you said now is the time where people will, and they probably shouldn't because that's when they're at their most dangerous. Exactly, you know. No one, it, I know England doesn't like to see Liverpool win, and no, not a lot of people want Liverpool to win right now. And that's gonna be a trip on their shoulder to, you know, say, hey, we gotta win games. I mean, 
know, they're the reigning. This is probably the worst response to winning the Premier League in um, in a long time. You know, the season after you 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 know you win it, and, and it bright. It makes me happy, even though I'm a fan, not to be a douche, but I mean, you know, well, Chelsea almost got relegated the year after they won it. Oh yeah, that's true. I think they finished like twelfth. Yeah, twelfth. Twelfth. That was that, mean, they almost got relegated. Same with Leicester. Leicester struggled the year after too. Yeah, they did. But I mean, but you think about it, it's like it's Liverpool. I mean, you, you win your title. Yeah, you won your first Premier League title, first probably English title in thirty years. No fans, no parade, and it makes me happy because obviously I'm a Man United fan. Obviously I'm a douche, but and then to see this collapse, it's kind of just like bittersweet to me. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like you were saying earlier, it, it's good when you know Man United, Liverpool, and City, Chelsea, you know, those are to me those are the big four are you know at the top of their game so i think it's and i think it's set up for that next year i think it's truthfully set up to be a genuine top four battle which is what this year city's city's looking like they're about to run away with it liverpool ran away with the year before it was tight between liverpool and city the year before i think the next year is where we're genuinely going to have like you know four four giants just really going after the title which Mm -hmm. will obviously obviously when you have those four giants going after it teams like leicester can make some noise too and surprise people. It just it totally it, 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 the dynamic of the following seasons with, with with some familiarity with the managers and consistency within the teams now is really going to provide, a, a, especially coming off of COVID and all the restrictions and bringing fans back, which is what your, your the mm. expectation is for the next season. Um, I, I think it totally and the storyline writes itself. Yeah. Alrighty, I'm not. Yeah, unless it doesn't get enough credit. Oh yeah, you, 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 you go. doesn't get enough credit because of the media. I mean, I mean, James Madison said in, in an interview the other day, you know, they're not in the traditional big six, so they really don't get a lot of credit. But I mean, you know, if they can hold on to some of their guys next summer, spend a lot of money, and they could really, they could challenge for the title next year. And you can't, you can't tell me. I don't think people, I don't think a lot of people can say they can't if they spend well and you know, I mean, Vardy's healthy. I mean, I get Vardy's world class. Vardy's, I mean, yeah, Vardy's getting older and older, but he's still producing double-digit goals a season. He's probably going to get maybe 20 goals a season. So, I mean, that's good for your striker, your number nine. So, I mean, Tottenham and Arsenal don't get threatened in that top six anytime soon. So, you know, Leicester certainly is the same. Uh, Ar- Arsenal's picking up form. I mean, I, you know, Arsenal are picking up form. I'm thinking Aubameyang can, you know, replicate what he did in his last game. Uh, the problem was Aubameyang was struggling really bad. And... You know, you got soccer coming in, looking good. Um, you know, Timmy's been injured, but I think, you know, that whole team kind of relies on scoring goals. And if the bombing ain't scoring goals and soccer isn't, kind of down to Lacazette. And Lacazette actually has been having a decent season compared to – he had a horrible season last season, I'm pretty sure. No, he's, but, I mean, been, he's, been, he's been a shell of himself since his first year there. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. I think I think Arteta with time, even one more summer window to spend – you know, they're gonna have a lot of money to spend while the um all the money they just got off the the wage book. I think Arsenal could be will be challenging for top four next season. Who knows? They can make a push. Anything can happen this crazy ass season. Yeah, it, I I don't think it's gonna get any more, you know, simpler through the years coming off of all these COVID season stuff. I mean teams are really gonna be able to now once the spending opens back up and fans come back, there's just gonna be teams that are willing to take the shot and you know, stuff's really gonna take off. So 
you know, I think we'll be rewarded for locking ourselves in our house for a year, you know. So, yeah. final thoughts on the show. We'll, we'll touch upon the Andrew Benintendi trade, which I have discussed previously on the podcast, but I wanted to get thoughts of another Red Sox fan on the show to see what they think of the Andrew Benintendi deal. Well, I mean, you know, after the World Series, Benny's production is down. You know, Benny in Boston is really hyped up, obviously. Um, personally, I've never really been a big Benny Biceps guy. I've, I've liked Benny, but I thought it was, it was a little overrated. Yeah, he had a, he had a great 2018. We won the World Series with him. He was great. I mean, to get the pieces we got back for him, I mean, he's on a really good contract, too, which is surprising. So, I mean, are the pieces that we traded for – is that good? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I checked the stats on the excuse me, the outfielder that we got. Cordero doesn't Royals. look bad. I think he batted like in 66 appearances. He batted at 66 at bats. He batted like 230. He but is. I he's got he's power. Young, but he's got power too. He's got a real good swing for power, like a good power swing. But no, I mean the young core. I mean, you know, I love I love Verdugo as a player. I think he's a stud. Um, he's gonna be really good. I think. Um, you know, but. We just have so much, so much talent. I mean, we got Bogarts and Devers, who's a great shortstop, your base pair. I mean, my dream, my dream scenario was to get, was to somehow get Nolan Arenado in Boston and move Devers at first, or move JD to first, have Devers be a DH. I mean, yeah. Devers is very inconsistent, you know, at their base defensively, but he had a, actually had a good. He actually has been getting better in terms of playing third base, but I mean. Me, you know, Nolan Arenado was, was tremendous, and he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched, and he's just a joy. I mean, I would love, I would have loved to see him in Boston, but obviously that's too late. But I mean, you know, we're trading another, you know, a star, so that core outfield is probably gone. I mean, there's no way we, we re-sign Jackie Bradley. God, I hope not. God, I hope not. I mean, yeah, you know, Jackie was, was Jackie was crazy in 2018 postseason. I forever thank him, thank him for that. You know, he's great defensive center fielder, probably one of the best in the league. But, you know, production, you know, you know, it's not really that good that you're batting eighth and ninth every year, you know. I mean, that's I mean, that's my thing. He he ranks up there in defensive runs saved, yes. But when you're batting eighth in the lineup and you're driving in, you know, 20 less runs of the average replacement player at your position, then what good is the six runs you saved? Yeah, I mean, and then you look at our offseason moves. I mean, yeah, I love I love Kiki Hernandez. I think that's a great utility signing. You know, Marvin Gonzalez, um, yeah. okay, decent, decent, not not bad. He was okay for the Astros. He had his moments. And then um, pitching, you know, I really wanted the strength of the bullpen. Yeah, we got Odovino, but, you know, he was a stud on the Rockies. The Yankees, he was a shell of himself. Um, I wanted us to go after Kirby Yates from the Padres. I thought he'd be – good addition but i mean you know we have bloom now um i haven't listened to him on section 10 um i know carabas and pearl uh were interviewing him but i mean yeah he he you know he was successful with the race but that was with a tight budget obviously you know red sox got a huge budget he's trying to you know get the funds away you know get the funds off whatever i mean it's the whole the whole thing with john henry just not wanting to go the luxury tax to you know have mookie bets i mean like why, you know, like at that point, if you're gonna trade Mookie Betts and get off that lot piece, you know, I, I was expecting to get Justin Turner out of that deal, maybe play him at first base. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like we, yeah, we got some good pieces back, but I felt like we should have got a lot more from Mookie Betts, and what? it really frustrated me. And a lot of Red Sox fans, obviously, 
are pissed off. They're, I'm sure Nesson's numbers are tremendously down. Um, I'm sure that, you know, fans are disinterested in Red Sox. So, I mean, J.D. Martinez is still – J.D. Martinez, he's still a great hitter. But, I mean, at that point, you're going to trade second best – third best player in baseball, top five best player in baseball behind Trell and maybe Arenado and Yelich when Yelich was at that two-year stretch. I mean, come on, man. He was supposed to be – Mookie was gonna have his Mookie was on his was on his way to be Hall of Famer if he keeps it up. Guy that had number fifty retired, you know, it just it felt like a stab in the back. It's kinda like maybe not not like the Nomar trade, but um, you know, it was just kinda just like wow man, you know. You yeah, know, he wanted I, to stay here and you know, Red Sox didn't want him. And everyone says, Well, he didn't want to stay. I said, No, he didn't he wanted to stay. He even talked to Jim Rice. He's a Red Sox Hall of Famer. And even Jim Rice said that Mookie felt Heartbroken, you know, he's a St. Louis guy, but he, his whole career has been in Boston. He raises, raises family here, you know. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I root for him in L.A. I mean, he's a great player. He's my, one of my favorite players. I mean, so I mean, yeah. I mean, Chain Bloom. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, I'm not expecting anything this year. I mean, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays young core stacked. Um, you know, they just got Chet's Springer. Obashet's nasty Springer. Uh, Guerrero, Kevin uh, Biggio is really good. Um, Yuri Gurriel's younger brother isn't that bad either. Yep. I mean, they're young, they're a good team. The Rays are still, you know, they were at the World Series last year. I mean, I mean, they're gonna still be pretty decent. And the Yankees, I mean, I mean, the Yankees haven't won a World Series since what 2011, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, which is embarrassing, but I mean, the Yankees are still gonna be better than us. I mean, the Orioles. So we're not, we're not probably going to finish fourth or third in the AL East. I'll be shocked. We have yeah, also no pitching. Yeah. yeah, we have no, there's, there's I mean, no, bit, no pitching whatsoever in this Red Sox. No bullpen help, nothing. Agadavino is not, not locked down of any sorts, you know, especially what he's shown in the last couple of years. No, I mean, and then, you know, yeah, Stombrowski, we won a, won a World Series, but a lot of his trades and signings have been questionable. I mean. But that's no, what he I does. Mean, that's what he was known to do. Yeah, I know, but like looking back with David Price, yeah, David Price was unbelievable. Twenty eighteen. That was it, though. But I, mean, I I wanted him to, obviously, he was going to sign that that player option to get that thirty thirty million, and it kind of sucked. And then we re-signed Eovaldi, who, I mean, what was Eovaldi before he was on the Red Sox? He was really nothing crazy, and he has this breakout year in the postseason. Bulldog on the mound, and then. You know, he gets injured, and then he looks like a shell of himself, and then, you know, Which Carson is Smith trade. So it's just – and the whole and the whole farm 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 system is depleted. I mean, when Theo was here, he won – we won a World Series with Theo. We won two World Series with Theo. I'd be like, I don't know if he left after – I don't know if Theo left in 2013 or before Three, that. But, four, yeah. seven, and 13 were all with – no, yeah, 13 I, was Sherrington, so we won two with Theo. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we won two with Theo, and we had – Arguably the best farm system, you know, for a long time. We were still winning, and then you know he goes to the Cubs. They they have one of the best farm systems in a while, and they obviously haven't won the World Series since 2017. But I mean, we're done 2016, excuse me. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna arrive with Bloom, but I'm not sure that he is. The season hasn't even started yet, so I mean, this is all just speculation and just false hope. But I mean. We'll see how he does. I mean, I'm not sure. But. Yeah, the the Benny the Benny trade for me is you get what you can get for him because it looks like he's hit his ceiling and he just doesn't have the power 
for the swing that he, he the, 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 the how low of a contact rate that he does have in his exit velocity. It all just doesn't add up metrically for a player that looks to be able to pan out and be a corner outfielder and hit with power. It just doesn't, even though he tried to build himself into that body, he just couldn't. And the thing is, the Mookie thing that, that annoys me is is that, yeah, you brought in Dombrowski and then you shipped him out really quick. But I, I think, in the, and you're unwilling to go over the luxury tax when you brought in Dombrowski knowing what you wanted to do. And yeah, he won you one World Series, but you had a chance to win two or three. Did you have to fork over the money to Mookie? Yes, but also you let this guy re-sign Yavaldi, sign Chris Sale to this big extension, where now he's, he's built up arm problems. He's probably never going to be the same pitcher again. You know, you're eating a big chunk of David Price's contract that he gave that, that he that he gave him, and then you had you know I'm saying there's so there's so many big pieces there. You still the fact that you gave up Mookie Betts and got and you still had to eat a chunk of David Price's contract is embarrassing. You know, there's so yeah. many if you're and if you're ready to move off of Benintendi and you wanted to re-sign Mookie Betts, you should have traded Benintendi after the World Series and got more for him. You should have moved Jackie Bradley then. You should have let Eovaldi walk. You could have debated moving J.D. Martinez before his player opt-out came up. There are a lot of, you know, Xander Bogarts, be thankful he took your hometown discount. You don't you don't sign Chris Sale to that big extension. You know, these are all things that, while you thought were didn't matter in the short term because we had such a good core, then they just up, up and decided to blow it up right before a pandemic, by the way, where a bunch of spending money and luxury tax would probably be more effective on people. I don't know if they had insider trading info on that. We got luck. So, like, we got lucky on that. I think moving Mookie and staying below the luxury tax somehow panned out to be lucky for us because Verdugo's a good ball player. Cheetah Downs looks okay. I still would have rather have had Bruce Dargatterall because um, he looks fantastic for the Dodgers, and we need pitching help as it is. But, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of got lucky in that sense, but at the same time, it still is frustrating to see. What I hope works out is this is – this, um, I hope this Trevor Bauer contract works out. It's the worst player to show it. But like all that guaranteed money and just like in in two in like the two in the three year contract because the Red Sox didn't want to give Mookie the like the, the, the ten years right but they would yeah, have been, which is which, which is a lot which, for which is still absurd. It, 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 he's a he's a small body player he's physically going to break I mean anybody's gonna physically break down after thirty but he's a small body guy he's gonna break down even more his speed and everything like the way he plays that he's gonna break down quicker than a lot of those players at the end of the contract but if they were willing to pay him you know. A hundred, a hundred and thirty million over three or four years, as opposed to paying him three hundred million or three hundred thirty million over ten, whatever the number was. I think he would have gone for that. You know, if you meet him at the average annual value number and you up it to what he wants to make over the ten-year period, all of a sudden you're talking. You know, I, I, I. I well, it doesn't that... help that. You... Sorry. Well, it doesn't help that you have Scott Boris as your agent. So if you're a Boris client. You're, it's great for you. You know, you're going to get the best, best package of all time. But, I mean, going back to the, the Mookie trade, it's like, yeah, Jeter Downs looks good. You know, I like Verdugo. But, I mean, I would have liked to get guys that were ready to, like, like veterans that were ready. Like, you know, maybe get maybe get Alex Turner. I mean, no. Uh, or get Kike Turner. then. Or get Kike then. Or get Kike then. Or even get a pitcher. Maybe like get Alex Wood. See if what you could add to get Walker Bueller. Like maybe they wouldn't maybe giving up Walker Bueller then, but like I would have thrown a Benintendi for Walker I mean, Bueller. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just the simple things like that. Like you know, baseball. There's so many the, the minor leagues. It's just so hard. It's so hard to get into the MLB because there's so many. You know, you got single A, double A, triple A. You know, it's it's crazy. And then you know the baseball is a lot is a lot gambled gambling on you know prospects. You know, I mean, look what the 
look what the White Sox did when they traded for uh, James Shields. Like they gave away Tatis, and Tatis is probably was one of the best players in the league. You know, so it's like same thing with the Pirates. The I, amount of players they gave up. You know, when they when they traded yeah. for Chris Archer, and you know that's all it is. I mean, then you look at the Mets. The Mets get Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco for a bunch of no names. I mean, like I I don't know every prospect in baseball. Nobody can. I mean, nobody should. Jesus Christ, you know how long get to how how long how much sunlight do you get if you know every prospect in professional baseball? But like normally, you know the big names: Vlad Guerrero Jr., Eloy Jimenez. Like you know those big names in the recent years are Johan Moncada. I mean, I didn't even know those names in that trade with, 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 when they when they sent Francisco Lindor to New York. So it gets to that point now where it's just like I used to be so pro young player and have faith in these young players, but now it's like when you can move for these big superstars like the Arenados of the world, it's like. You know, you got to do it. You got to do it. If you have to dump your farm system sometimes, you have to do it. But it's the timing of it, knowing that what the expectation is. Like, to one year, to sell out your whole farm system for one year is one thing. I don't agree with that. But when the Red Sox sold out their farm system, they had a chance to win two or three titles in a seven, eight-year period. But to struggle even longer than that, the Red, the Red Sox ownership kind of nipped, nipped in the bud before it got to that point. Now we might recover a little quicker, but we also sacrificed a chance at a second or third World Series. So it's all weighed in the ba- it's all weighed in the balance. Mm. But I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, uh, there you go, you go. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting much. I mean, just in terms of the game of baseball, I mean, the Cardinals are a historic team, one of the most historic historic teams in baseball. So I mean, it's gonna be nice to see. Hopefully, they make a good run. I mean, they got great pieces, you know. Three four with Arenado and Goldschmidt isn't no joke. Um, even the Braves, you know, Braves Freddie Freeman um, has been one of the better, most under. Has been one of the under more underrated players of recent time. Yeah. He finally got that. Finally got that MVP. I um, mean, you know, they got a young core with Acuna and Albies, and you know, veteran with him. I mean, you know, I don't know how the Reds finished last year, but I mean, the Reds have been a, a trash can franchise. But <laughs> going back in the day, Reds have. Reds are one of the most historic franchises, so I kind of want to see those those teams that haven't really, you know, been successful recently kind of get over the hump and, you know, make a push, you know? Yeah, and the Cardinals look, look absolutely poised to do that. I think there's a team that's yep. looking to do that. I think, but the Padres young core, too. The Padres look pretty dangerous. The Dodgers are going to be harder, harder to touch this year. You know, when you add the Cy Young winner as your fourth, like fourth starter in the rotation, that's, you know, pretty good. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, I'm excited for the Padres, too. I mean... I mean, it's hard not to like Tatis. It's impossible not to like Tatis, actually. No, and granted or not, like, I used to love Manny Machado before he went to the Dodgers. Like, he was just, you know, he had the swagger. He was crazy defensively. He hit for power. Then Dodgers, he was okay. And then, you know, last year wasn't playing to his contract. Same thing with Bryce Harper. But then the the, the the most recent year, you looked pretty good. Yeah, even the Phillies with their core. Yeah, I mean, you know, they just signed Real Moto. is probably the best catcher in the league right now. Um, I mean, I'm happy Yadier Molina's coming back. I love Yadier Molina. I'm happy he's coming back. He just doesn't hit I think enough. He's coming back. I mean, he's, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's the, he's the best defensive catcher I've seen along with Pudge. But um, it's just I think he's all of him. You should be all of him. Not, yeah, for, not first hit. ballot, but he'll get in the Hall of Fame. No, yeah, definitely. He's Hall of Fame's a joke, by too, yeah, I mean, I like you may you may as well throw him in there because it's the Hall of Very Good, you know. And then they have steroid users in there that admitted to using steroids, but because they didn't know they were using steroids at the time they got voted in, they stay in. But now the players that are admitted to using steroids or were known to have used steroids, 
they won't let in, even though they already have active steroid users in the Hall of Fame. So it's like, you know, it's just, it's a whole mess. I, I, I hate it. I hate it all. Clemens and Bond should absolutely be in. Schilling should absolutely be in, regardless of what he says. But then again, smarten up a little bit to shut your mouth and get off social media. You're probably a Hall of Famer. He says it doesn't matter to him, but then he gets all pissed off when he isn't in. You know, it's all, all of it's just so overdone, and it's laid in the hands of all these baseball purists and old dinosaurs, and I don't know. I'm just not a fan of how the whole process works, to be honest with you. But and, yeah. and I think it's illegitimate in the sense that they, who they keep and don't keep in, even though they know things about them now and after, you know. If you're not willing to accept Bonds and Clemens in, you better be ready to pull people out. Yeah, like I know a writer, um, not going to say the name, but I've talked to him about who he's voted for and who he's not voted for, and he's and he's told me, you know, he's, uh, he's a voter. And it, he says basically it's a personal thing, you know, if you – I've had a good experience with that person. I'm gonna vote a minute. You know, if you're a douche to him and he's a reporter, and you don't want to answer his questions, given the time that you that you're up for the hall, they might not vote for you. So, it is flawed. I don't think it should be 75%. I think it should be 70%. Personally, I think that's way too. I think it's pretty high. You know, given the amount of people that get inducted, it's it's probably the most prestigious Hall of Fame in all of sports, in my opinion. Either that or NFL. Um, basketball fans. Basketball fans kind of a joke, but um. People submitted blank ballots. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's so prestigious, but people submitted blank ballots when they have you know so many great players in front of them. It's just it's just such a it, that that's where it becomes such a joke. It's, it's, a, a, it's a it's a it's a privilege to sit on that thing, and because a guy told you to get out of his locker once or answered his answered a couple of questions with one word because he's pissed because he had a bad game when you're just trying you know. When you have a job to do, yes, but also he's a little upset after a game. You're gonna submit a blank ballot out of spite. Like that's just—it's just childish. That's middle school stuff, you know. That's like when you vote for the popular kid for the middle school class president. It's a joke. I mean, exactly. Like it's a privilege to vote for such a prestigious thing. You know, vote. You get to choose who on the baseball who's going to Cooperstown, and then. As a player, you're you know you're praying with your family. You have a party on the reveal night. You know you're waiting, and then you find out there was 13 blank ballots, and that God forbid if seven of those people or eight of those people voted for Kurt Schilling, you would have got in. Like it's just, it's just stupid. I, and, I feel and, bad. And, I mean, but also, Ken Griffey wasn't unanimous, right? Or was it Derek Jeter? Derek Jeter was. Ken Griffey wasn't. Which is absolutely disgusting. If you didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr., you must have just had a bad issue with him because that he should have been the first. It was the Yankees. Or it was the Yankees writer because the Yankees fans don't like him. It was the Yankees writer. They found out. And that's it's, it. It's just, and, and that's a whole spite. And that's a whole spite thing. It's just petty. You know, Ken Griffey Jr. to me is, is the, the equivalent of uh, Mike Trout was literally the equivalent of Ken Griffey Jr. Growing like, you know, yeah, young. Yeah. Time frame was. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, beautiful swings, you know, and then, him for him not to be in the hall, not to be unanimous. I mean, I think it's a joke, but yeah, it's the whole spite thing. I mean, that's the thing with Kurt Schilling too. Everybody, every year they end up talking about Kurt Schilling. And they don't want to talk about his politics. They want to talk about all that. If you just got out of if you got it out of the way and just voted the guy in, you wouldn't have to hear from him anymore. No one would care. The only people that want to care to listen to him are the ones that genuinely don't maybe do get along with his incredibly right-sided politics and crazy thinking. But if you just the guy has a Hall of Fame resume, is the best playoff pitcher of all time, arguably, just get the guy in. You don't have to hear from anybody anymore about it, and you the don't have to hear about Mike, why. 
Yeah, sorry, but like the fact that Mike, if Mike Mussina is a Hall of Famer and Kurt Schilling's not, that's an issue. Like that's that's really bad, you know. Right. So it's like, so but that's that's baseball Hall of Fame's a joke. I mean, yeah, you know, Barry Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer before he took PEDs, you know. Yeah, Roger Clemens was amazing before he still took steroids, and yeah, they, the time steroids, was you know the thing that was the thing to do. I mean. Uh, I, I still think Barry, Bond should be in. If you hold, no matter what, I don't know what you, I don't care what you're taking. If you hold the the record for the most home runs, and you were a three-time MVP before you took steroids, and walked and the he was on the Padres. Who's yeah. the Pirates? Yeah. It, Pirate, Pirates. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, I, I knew that. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I this it, that's that's my complaint with it is that there's people like Yvonne Rodriguez and Mike Piazza. They're like, yeah, I use them. And they're in. And they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But because they admitted after the fact, now these other guys, like, well, you may as well take those guys out or bring some, or bring them in because just, just where's your argument? There's the guy that wrote the book, me, uh, Gaylord Perry, you know, used a spitball his whole career. No one talked about it. You know, he's yeah. still in. You know, it's that's the frustrating part for me is like there's so many double-edged sword things and hypocritical things that go on with it. It's just impossible to really get around and and a lot of good people and great players lose out, and a lot of lesser players get lucky. You know, it's you know even with Ken, even with the um, I'm a off topic here, but even with the the NFL Hall of Fame, like how the hell is Reggie Wayne not in the Hall of Fame? How was Torrey Holt not in the Hall of Fame? You know, guys that are some of the best wide receivers. Reggie Wayne in my lifetime is probably one of the best wide receivers. You know, the fact that he's not in. You know, it was crazy. I mean, T.O. was a. It was an argument for T.O. at one point. I mean, I, I guess he is in, right? He is, he's, he's in now. He, like, he, I guess he has his own. They're gonna do something for him, but I or did whatever for him. This was people they didn't like him. I was saying that, I mean, Barry Bonds is, was a known douchebag. Like yeah. no one really liked Barry Bonds. And but he, I guess he's changed now. You know, he's the hitting coach for the Marlins. Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent's about to get in before him, and Jeff Kent was a bigger dick than Barry Bonds. And he didn't hit 762 uh, home runs. I don't even think Jeff Kent is even a Hall of Fame player, to be honest. He's not, but he's gonna get in because he was he he, he gave he gave Barry shit back to him. But he didn't have Dale, Dale, Dale Murphy and Fred McGriff deserve the Hall of Fame more than Jeff Kent. There's just so I, many. Um, I don't think Hall of Famer, bro. But like guys like Drew Pearson get in for the Cowboys. He was talking the NFL one because he was crying the year before. You know, it's like oh, it was so yeah. emotional, or they wanted the emotion of it in the in in the PR standpoint of it. You know. It, it, it's not. It, it hasn't turned into the best players get in, no matter what. It turns into the politics. It turns into the popular thing. It turns into the he was nice to me thing, or he wasn't nice to me. You know that that none of that should play into it. It's it, it's a busted process, to be honest with you. When that when that stuff comes into play. Agree. Alrighty, I think that's about it. Again, Andrew, thank you for joining me. Uh, I have to have you on in the near future as well, too. You know, the more and more we go, the more and more content I push out because I'll have another podcast dropping Friday, too. But this will be out for, should be Tuesday, the AM that everybody's tuning into it. And with that being said, I will be streaming tonight. So by the time this comes, I can finally get that right. I need a, I need a break. I need a break. My homie had told me go grind for the money as long as it takes. As long as it takes. I mean, then cock out a drink and the blood, so I'm feeling.